This is the MLW Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Future Stars Now, brought to you by Front Row Material. I am the Rit, and of course, missing today is my good friend, Mike Freeland. Tonight we've got a great guest who, uh, well, he's, he's finally on the downside of his trip. And, well, he's got big things coming ahead. We're going to bring him in tonight, right now. Box Vineyard. What up? What up, man? How you doing? Cheers to people, man. You, you sit there and you had you had one hell of a road trip uh, in the past twenty four hours. Oh man, it's driving straight on ninety five for about fifteen hours. Ah, oh, that is by far. Uh, I've been to not Jacksonville, but I've. I did a little trip with the family back in the day down to Disney. Yeah, and two hours. That, that's two more hours. That was ridiculous. Like, I I can't imagine. And you you went by yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but you man, it. you're down there, AEW. Down Sign. there, across. Down, <laughs> down there for 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 what are we saying? A dark match. Um, I'm down for uh, Dark and Dynamite. Not the Beyond Dynamite or Dark. Who knows? It's, uh, hey, come see what we have type of deal. So hope for the best. Expect the worst. (laughs) Hey, well, seeing you on uh, PPW, man. I should have brought the belt. It's in the car. Relax. That's where where I first got, got my little taste of you. And seeing you on there, it's not, you know, you're right up there with a lot of great talent. Has thank went, you, thank you. Has went, you know, they go on PPW. Next thing you know, they're somewhere big. MLW, AEW Dark, you know, and you're just the, just the next contestant, it looks like. Uh, so there's so much talent out there, so much. But I'm 12 years in the game. New opportunities pop off every day. I am a current champion at ppw current heavyweight champion at world of hurt wrestling and if you have a championship and you feel like losing it (laughs) man so uh, 12 years in the business so let's let's take a little back in the trip back in the time you know what got you into the love of professional wrestling uh growing up my uh my father always took me and my brother down to the Knickerbocker Arena, home of the 1992 Royal Rumble. Um, so we, we did go to that. That was fun. Yeah, so my, my father and his girlfriend and their daughters at the time loved wrestling. And they always took us in because they were a little older than us. Mm-hmm. My brother's two and a half years older than me. And I remember getting like, it was a rocker's poster, but Shawn Michaels just flipped the script. So like, my my well, she's my sister because like we grew up together. Yeah, was walking through and 
ripped it up. Like, no, not Sean, blah, blah, blah. But my earliest memory is, I think it has to be WrestleMania 7 or sooner. I just remember a large panned crowd and it had the ring and it was, and I'm, I'm sure Warrior was the focus, but it wasn't Warrior and Hogan. But I, I knew Hogan, obviously, because everyone knew Hogan. But, like, that's my first one. Maybe it could have been sooner than that, but I think it's Macho um, Warrior was the first that I remember sitting in front of the TV like, whoa. Because it was always rent-a-video or how come these ropes are yellow when WCW would catch that or NWA or mm-hmm. that one time. Or whatever that video game is to have LOD, but they're in black spikes on the cover. Uh, it's like an... It's a Nintendo game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It yeah, might be just NWA wrestling or tag team wrestling or something. Because you were the only people that you could play as are like two guys in like brown trunks. Yeah. But but like I remember seeing that all the time as a kid. And then playing the WrestleMania game. You remember the one with like the three ropes that was annoying as shit? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I remember my uh my dad's girlfriend's uh kids got them or yeah, I just sat there watching. It's like, whoa. And you see, like, the, the crucifix going by to get the power up. But ever since then, it's just been just been the love for it. Like, when I was a kid, I'd uh, have, like, you know, fake pleather jackets or, like, a windbreaker for, like, T-ball. Um, and I would always have, like, a, just, like, a regular muscle shirt as a kid, sweatpants. I would take my father. Um, he had tube socks as he worked in a steel mill. Mm-hmm. And on me, who's th- six, seven, eight years old, they come up to like, you know, just below my knee. So I put them on white and I walk down my hallway slapping doorknobs thinking I was Bret Hart. And then I go, don't jump on the bed. But I wrestle those pillows. Can't fight me, pillow. Find me. Uh, so <clears throat> when did you start thinking, you know, as you went on older? And, and that you're like maybe when did it click? I could possibly do this because back in those days, you know, four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, but back in those days, everybody was 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 huge. You know, you had your six five, six six, three hundred pound, yeah. you know, monsters. And it wasn't until later, you know, that a hey, smaller guys can can do this just as well. Well. That was like the new generation, right? Like Brett, Sean. Brett, Sean, and, and I, all of I, them. I'm a Bret Hart fan for life. That's why I wear pink and black on most of my stuff. I just threw in the yellow hair. T-shirt's available now. Hit me up. Um, but it was just always Brett. He just looked cool, and he matched. Like, he wore the black top, black trunks, pink tape. And then he'd wear black top, pink, pink top, black bottoms. And it would just... He would never mess up. You wouldn't see him wearing pink tights with pink or with black knee pads. It'd be the pink knee pads over it. And even though it was off, like, you know, he wore, like, the trunks on the outside, too, Mm -hmm. that were a little bit off. He still looked badass. And that's why I wear white boots. Between him and Mr. Perfect, I always wore white boots because it it just stood out. And it just, when they zoomed in, I would watch them just take steps. And I'm like... I'm going to wear a white boot. That and Lex Luger's boots that came up to his neck. I was like, i got to wear white boots. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, Bret Hart was a, bit, a big influence. And if you, t- you know, not just the gear, but if you look at his work ethic, 
and 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 how he perfected himself on taking care of his opponent. You know, once you got into the business, right. is, is that something that you you kind of you know look forward to also? Uh, to not hurting anybody. Yes. Yeah. Like, I try to. You know, in wrestling, we have the kiss method. I'm sure everybody has it. I mm-hmm. have it. It's just keep it simple, stupid. Like, find a few things that you're good at that look amazing. Do it. You know? Because if I'm in a new territory or a new spot where it's like, hey, it's your debut here. These people don't know you. They may have saw you or heard about you, whatever. I'm going to do my hits. Like, here's this. Here's that. Here's that. Oh, remember that guy. He has silly hair and he can do some shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I always, I like to, when I'm teaching, like the students that I have at like our little school up in Glens Falls, home of Hacksaw, ho, um, I try to lay it in without laying it in. Like, make it as real as possible, as snug as possible. Like, Brett's stuff always looks so, like, impactful. Like, even like the back, um, like a backbreak into the knee. Mm-hmm. It was just like, Jesus, he's really, he's killing this guy. And it, you know, it all meant something, the psychology of it. But so I like, I try to do that. I used to, I used to even get in the ring like Bret Hart, like he sits on the rope. So yeah. I would do that for like, I did that up until I got to do something with Bret Hart at the show. I met him backstage and I was like, oh my God, like I'm wearing pink and black because of you. Um, took a picture with me, which was really cool. And then we go out to the ring and he has a promo and he's talking about whatever. He's like, oh yeah, you're a piece of shit. Oh, Brett, come on, man. I thought we were pals, but it was awesome. But yeah, like I try to be as real as possible without hurting me. I don't think I've hurt anybody um, that I know of. I definitely try not to hurt anybody. I try to protect, I've seen people almost get hurt. You know, you catch them out of the air or- yeah. Like, whenever someone, like, without the kayfabe, break it, but, like, they're like, hey, I want to do a dive. I'm like, I will catch you. I will make sure you are okay. You know, it's, I care about how you how you are. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and that's what a lot of people in, in the business, uh, they, they want that trust. And, and if you get that trust and build it up, they feel more comfortable doing more stuff with you. Right, like, I mean, anyone that I've ever stepped in the ring with, I will do, I, I trust them. Like, when I did the AEW Dark and I was wrestling Brian Cage, never met him before then. Mm-hmm. He's like, I do this, I do that, I do this, I do that. I'm going to do the drill, uh, drill call, which is, you know, standard driver. And I'm like, okay, I trust you, man. <laughs> and here we go. Yeah. Right. So, <clears throat> when you went to pick a wrestling school... Did you do research, or did you just look, look at look in the area, or is it you know first one that that caught your attention? It was actually accidental. Like when I was like thirteen years old, um, my brother was like wrestling with his friends in like the yard, mm-hmm. but they would always go to a comic book store, and that store was run by um, you know Kenny Casanova. Yeah. So it was run by him and a few other guys who ran a local promotion, uh, New Breed Wrestling. And so, like, on weekends, they, hey, you want to come down? You pay 8 to 10 bucks. We'll let you guys get in the ring, bump around. We'll teach you some stuff. And then we'll film it for you, and I'll do commentary. And here you go. Have fun, kids. Here you go. 
So, like, I did that for, like, I don't know, two months as a kid. And then my best friend from seventh grade, he moved away when he, in ninth grade. Mm-hmm. And then I just happened to be driving one day, and I was with my other best friend. I was like, yo, is that Rob? He's like, I don't know. Let's pull over. So we followed the dude. Just got in the follow the guy. <laughs> I didn't know if it was him. Just following this dude around my town. And I was like, oh, man, it is him. I was like, yo, what's up, man? So we started talking. He's like, I work at Gold's Gym. Up there, there's a wrestler who works out there, Oman Tortuga, one half of the Outcast Killers, former Ring of Honor, etc. Um, he's like, he knows a guy who's going to open a school. It's up in Hudson Falls, New York. Do you want to go check it out? And I was like, I was in a ring before when I was like 13. Of course. I know everything. So I went up, and of course, I loved it. I was like, yeah. I didn't have money, though. Didn't have a job. Didn't have money. And J.P. Black is my trainer, do a die academy, was like, hey, get a job, come back. I'll train you. And I was like, yeah, good luck with that. I don't know. I'm 24, mm-hmm. you know, just a punk kid. And then literally got home. The next morning, my phone rang for a pizza shop. Hey, would you like to be a driver? Can I get an advance? <laughs> like, and then six days later, I started training. That was in 2006. So it kind of like fell into my lap. Plus, I was training with my best friend, and I was like, let's be a tag team. And then we trained for, like, nine months straight, twice a week, sometimes three, just getting our ass kicked. Like like I said, the, the Outcast Killers, Omar Tartuga, um, Diablo, Santiago come in, the Now, Big mm-hmm. Delicious Hell Collins, and uh, Bobby Fish will come through. So as we were training as a tag team, it was like, hey, I want, we want to be a tag team. So my trainer, JP, brought in, um, he brought in the now outcast and fish. And it was, a, we, we wrestled and trained from like 11 in the morning to about 7, 8 at night. And it was, the next day I had a walk with a walker, legit. Because it was just like, hey, I want to try this new suplex out. All right, kid, go in there. Okay, hey, I want to work on this spine buster. Hey, I like, I'll take it. Hey, I want to work on this, I want to work on that. And we just got our ass kicked. And so I, I always think, like, things just fell into place. You know, like, yeah. I haven't seen my best friend in three years, and then the first second I see him, hey, I'm going to try wrestling. Hey, I'll go do it. You know? So uh, training, well, like, when we talk to Mikey Whipwreck and everything, he's got that old-school mentality of, ah, we're, we're, let's sit there and try this all this stuff out, you know, and see if you actually wanted to get in that ring before like you actually up, get it, you know, get in the ring. Like is blow it, up drills and stuff? Yeah, blow up drills to see how hungry you really are and stuff. And, My, and was it was it the same thing uh, up at your school? Uh, not that I believe. Not that I remember. It was more like, here's how you take a bump. And then it was two hours later, still taking bump. And it was strictly said if, you would not give any moves for at least three weeks. You would just learn to take them. And then if you want to learn something, hey, I want to learn how to do a running clothesline. Okay, you're going to take a running clothesline. Mm-hmm. You know? So anything that we wanted to learn, we had to take first, and then we would be taught. But we did a lot of, uh, a lot of working out. Like we had to run up and down stairs. It was, we were training from, in February in 2006. And it was cold. There was no heat in this building. If you want the if you want to be warm, mm-hmm. you better you better fucking chain around. <laughs> like, 
it was cold. And then, like, so we, we did a lot of that. Like, I remember dropping down to, like, the smallest I've ever been in my life. My friend came back from, like, uh, he moved to Louisiana for, like, six months. Came back. He's like, dude, what happened? Because I went from, like, being, like, this chunky kid to, like, training three days a week plus working out and everything. But it wasn't, like, too many blow-up drills. It was more, like, learn, learn, learn. And then, all right, now we're going to chain. And then we just got stretched. And that's when it was like, I'm trying my hardest to get out of anything. And my trainer at the time was probably 35, 36, and just 240 pounds solid. And just (laughs) yoking me up the whole time. But I prefer shit like that more than just blow-up drills. But it it does take a lot. Like, I hate people who train that don't watch wrestling, Mm -hmm. who just go in to do it rather than, like, I want to do this. Like, I see myself here rather than I just want to take a picture on Facebook and be like, hey, I'm training. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's hard to weed people out, but I've been pretty good so far. So uh, you're training to be a tag team. So you said it was about nine months. And then, you know, did you have your first match? And how did that come about? And uh, it's a three-parter. And then what was it? like going out in front of the crowd for your first time uh so what happened was we trained from like february till november december that year and then life got in the way Uh, my tag partner went to college did all the school stuff i got engaged i bought a house yada yada and then three years later 2009 another school opened up this time only 10 minutes away from our house because we kind of lived like only like 25 minutes if that from each other probably 15 and the same thing same story hey school's opening up you want to go work out see what we we remember anything and then we did and that was at the in your face wrestling academy and like that was run by drake evans scott scarsdale and we would wrestle and you know help their students around while you know relearning some stuff and like correcting some stuff that they were doing but and then it was three months after that it was april's like hey come to this show come here we'll do ring crew maybe we'll get you guys against demolition i was like oh wow cool and then it was like two months later so our debut was actually july 17th no 18th july 18 2009 and that was an hour away up north in queensberry new york and we sold you know, between us, probably like 65 tickets, 70 tickets between us. Because everyone's like, yo, we want to go see our boys. We want to see our brother. We want to see our family. Um, so going out there wasn't too bad. Because I used to be in a band. So I was like, I love this attention. However, the match is the most boring thing I've ever been a part of in my life. I'm pretty sure, I think it's like... 16 minutes long. I hit like two moves and the rest was like, we worked that headlock, brother. <laughs> like, it was so, uh My tag partner was way better than me. Like, he 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 was uh, 6'2", 6'3", looked like Umaga. Kind of like light, like light skin. Yeah. Uh, but just big. Like, big. And like, he knew, knew stuff. Like, he was... That was his dream. I want to be in WWE. This is my dream. I'm doing it. And I was more like, I'm your friend. I like hanging out with you. 
cool. And on then like eventually it was just it slowly happened to be like, hmm, maybe I can do this. But yeah, that first match, going out there, yeah, come on everybody, town we're in, was easy. It was watching it back that I was like, ugh. Well, now, obviously, like 12 years later, you watch it back. I'm just like, I was wearing like, remember the store Stephen Berry's, like the college store? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was wearing like Marberry's or whatever those cheap shoes were. Um, I wore those, like a pair of Elucha tights that somebody is wearing today. I think the kid has them somewhere. And then, like, I remember I, I wore a, this, like, holographic skull shirt from Kmart. And then I cut the sleeves off, like, Gold's Gym gloves, a bandana, earrings. That much hasn't changed, but I just remember, like, we were capital punishment because we're from the capital and we're punishing mm-hmm. people. And uh, we got better from there because we, we started in a six-man tag. And then the next time we had a match, our trainer, JP, took us out to Rochester, where guys like Colin Delaney and Brody Lee and all these dudes were making names for themselves and doing stuff, and here we come. Hey. But it got better. So, uh, you know, you mentioned a little bit that you were in a band. You know, you're a lead singer? Uh, in the band that I'm currently in right now, it's Zoo Green 6. You can buy stuff on Apple, Amazon, YouTube, whatever. You can buy these bracelets. Um, I currently do the vocals, guitar, bass, rhythm guitar, lead guitar. If we need some keys, do that. And then I have my drummer, and he does some vocals too. But So we just light your stuff, record it. And then if we, we want to play live next year, um, it's just getting people to be like, hey, come play this song that I already wrote completely. It's recorded. Come play this. Come do this. Mm-hmm. Come do that. But mostly. We'll so, th- does that sit there and being the lead singer and being in a band? Does that help you prepare you? You know, to be out in front of live crowds uh, wrestling. Yeah, because when we used to do classes and then be like, "All right, you're doing a promo today," and it's like, you know, my tag partner Rob is like, "You just got to project your voice." I said, "Dude, I was a singer in a band, like." Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. I mean, I'm not a singer. I can't hit notes, but I like screamed and rapped and like controlled the crowd. I knew how to do that part. But yeah, then the promo came out and I was like, oh, that's different. <laughs> that's different. My bad. But um, it, it's, I think music and wrestling, that's why they're connected so much. They're just parallel. It's like to like write out a match. Or, like, people call your match out there, brother. Like, you can do improv and have a match, but if you're going to sit there and, like, write a masterpiece, it's the same thing as if you're laying down a guitar riff and you're Mm -hmm. building everything around it. So here's your finish. Let's build around it and get to it. Here's your riff. Let's build around it and we'll make it an actual song. So, like, I think they're parallel. I think they help each other. Like... I always said I'm either going to make it in music by going through wrestling or I'm going to make it in wrestling by going through music. Now I just come out to my own theme song or music and um, try to sell the album at the merch table too and stuff like that. But I did come out as I wrestled as Greg Durst once. And that sounds exactly who it sounds like. (laughs) I wore my red baseball cap, white t-shirt, cargo pants, and I just did a lot of, come on! Yeah, and I would hit people. 
<laughs> but we did we did like a whole bunch of stuff. It was a fun thing because it was in like uh, it was in Rhode Island, where the crowd wasn't a wrestling crowd. It was just like, hey, let's go see this wrestling. We're at a bar. There's beer, and then they had a live band playing. So, the guy I wrestled King Leon the Sixth was in the ring talking smack. Oh yes, I'm a king. And then the band played break stuff, and I did the vocals, hyped the crowd up, and then we we went on and played around. It's on YouTube. Um, threw some uh. Did some hot dog flavor in the water and stuff. And then it got like 57,000 views in like a week. Trying to tweet Fred Durst like, hey, man, good debut. (laughs) But that's one thing I would love to do with, I mean, the firework character is money if used right, but nobody's using it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to do anything because characters are either out or they're in. Who knows? So it's always up in the air. But one of the best things I would want to do is incorporate everything together. It's kind of what I'm doing now, like all music. I'm doing acting stuff, so music, movies, TV, whatever bullshit, and then wrestling. And just, it's all me. Would you ever sit there and think like, now I'm going to say PPW, because that's where I see you the most at, where they would actually let you play your entrance music live. Like, I think that would be, like, awesome. I don't know if they would do it, but I know like a uh, closer to me they might. I mean, it'd be easy too. Just gotta set up the drums. Like yeah, I I record everything in my apartment. I have electric everything, mm-hmm. so we just record there. But to put a live setup takes two seconds. Bop 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 bop. I did come out to like doing my own stuff with a guitar player and drums once, like maybe like three years ago, four years ago against uh robo or now he's aaw's uh joho i think i forget how they pronounce his name sorry my friend (laughs) um matt hardy's guy um but yeah that would be awesome to me because i would incorporate it in every show Mm -hmm. like hey you guys need some entertainment for intermission we'll play and then i just play to the ring but I keep them playing during my matches. Like if I'm Gina, whoa, and you hear dun 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 dun, you know. But that, that, it's getting getting that, that, motor to be like, bring it in, Fox, let's do it. Is hard as shit. Yeah, you would sit there and think, uh, honestly, that, that would keep the crowd going through intermission. You could sit there and play yourself yeah. to the ring right after intermission, and the whole, you right. know, like you said. Uh, have the drummer there to get you going into the match. No one's yeah. doing it, you know. I so might just that, start doing it. <laughs> that 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 might be that might be something you might have, might want to look into because you know you you got to nowadays you got to find your niche to make yourself right. different that people are going to remind you and remember you and like, that exactly yeah like one of the things that I always say like I'll come up with all these ideas right. I'll lay, I'll be, oh, this would be great, this would be great. And then people would literally say, nah, man, it's not going to work. Don't do it. No. I'm like, all right, yeah, you're probably right. And then two months later, somebody else does it, and I'm like, like well, I thought you guys said it was stupid. Why are we, why are we doing this now? Like the like Seth Rollins move, that ripcord knee, mm-hmm. I was doing that four years ago, and I was like, yeah, it's not big enough for a finisher. You do something else. I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. And then he does it for a finish. You're like, yo, that's awesome. I'm like, uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you've also, uh, you've worked for 
you know, Impact Wrestling. Uh-huh. So you want you want to tell everybody a little bit how you got uh, into in the Impact? PPW. Well, actually, they kind of got me into each other because Impact was doing a tryout seminar mm-hmm. at the, at a show with PPW. Well, was and this the D'Lo Brown I, one? No, it was, they did one before with Sammy Callahan okay. and Eddie Edwards, I believe. It might have been somebody else, but then, no, it was, um, I can't think of his name now, but he just got hired by WWE, so he couldn't do it. So Eddie Edwards and Sammy Callahan, excuse me, jumped in. So I went to there, and, you know, I'm just as professional as I can be, just sitting there watching, letting them, hey, we want to see who can bump. And, you know, just the regular generic stuff that they do at seminars. Mm-hmm. And then I just sat there, and Sammy, like, looked over the rope at me and was like, you are just cool, man. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I'm just sitting here. He's mm-hmm. like, nah, man, you you look, re- like, your hair, you look cool. And I wasn't even in gear. I was just normal, just chilling. And then, like, I got in the ring, we did our little stuff, and then they chose people who they wanted on the show, and they chose me. And I did, like, a trios match with uh, the Punk Rock All-Stars at the time. Um, they just happened to have weird hair and nails painted and i had that and i was like hey i have pink and green let's do it and then after that match um ppw was like hey we would love you at every show and i've been there since and then impact they uh they used me later on that year i think it was yeah i don't know which came first i know the d'lo brown seminar was at the end of the year mm-hmm. but i but i did impact television against Batman fulton in May, I'm just not sure if it was May 2020 or May 19. I think it might have been May 19. But uh, that was cool because I got the wrestle in the ECW arena. And I just don't know how to... how to, like I'm always a good hand, I would say. Because, mm-hmm. like, hey, we need somebody who can sell, who can put this guy over, who still looks intimidating, but can also... You know, make our dudes elevate. Yeah. So like, I don't mind. That's that's what I my gig is in wrestling. Let's go, Barry Hartwitz. Um. So like, we did a thing with him, and then I did the Twitch pay per view. They did like the little show that did with that, which I shined in that. That was pretty cool. I mean, it aired. What uh, the Madman Fulton thing aired, and I was watching it on Twitch as it aired. So it was like two weeks later. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh man, all these people are talking. Like, who's this guy? What's his color? What's his stupid hair? And I'm like, hey man, this guy's really cool. You guys should give him a chance. Like, it's me. But Impact would be dope to actually go back and do a run and like actually like be signed and like see what a major company can do with me. Like, I sometimes I feel like maybe the tassels and the firework gimmick <laughs> some people don't know what to do with it like ring of honor loved my stuff but they didn't give me any opportunity they didn't know what to do with it rather than being like hey what if you just throw that out be this ham sandwich and use you it's like they want you to figure your own thing out and come back like already made but i mean it's just easier that way for companies but if any company out there wants a guy you can do some shit I'll be your hand sandwich and go, go, go. Yeah, yeah and, I mean, 
just have gotta have fun doing what you do, I guess. Really. You know, and you, you may mention that you did a little stint in, in the Ring of Honor. You know, uh, well, what were your thoughts about you know Ring of Honor closing the doors to possibly do come back with a reboot? I was sad for everyone that I know that works there because they just lost a thing that meant a lot to them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And like I spent since 2012 to about 2017, like five straight years. I was at every show. I was at every show, like first at the building, last to leave, helping, helping ring crew things, carrying all the stuff like security guard, whatever they needed. I was there. And I had a, a lot of opportunities with them. Like, I think I had like total of like eight matches, and like I was in like the top prospect tournament 2016, the biggest of in history, 12 man, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Um, and like, so they closed for the reboot. So now like everyone that was there isn't contracted and can c- come back. However, and. April is when they're coming back. That's what five months away. Yeah, who's still gonna be around? Who's gonna be like, you know what? I'm gonna leave this contract of wherever I am and go do this. Some will, but then there's guys like me, who they know of, and who've been around and are been waiting for an opportunity to show what they can do. So it's kind of like an exciting opportunity that when they reboot, like, let's go. Here I am. Knock on first in line. Let's do something. You know what I mean? And hopefully that opportunity happens for me and everybody else who's in the same boat as I am, who spent around, has the talent, can work, can do this, a good locker room, and then just needs the opportunity of someone to be like, here's a ball. Let's make some money. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, you know, you, you, got, you got people like Jay Lethal who – was the backbone of Ring of Honor for such a long time. Great dude. You know, he, he went and signed with AEW. But but then he, you got... Yeah, I don't know if he's had... Has he had a match since his debut? No. He had his debut match and that was it. Yeah. Uh, but then then you got, you got people like uh, Roxy, who's, you know, defending that uh, women's title on the indies. You know? Right. You, 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 have, you have great stories that are waiting to be told with the Briscoes and FTR, you know, so there's right. a lot of like, there's a lot of potential there for the reboot when it's ready, but you need and people. I, and I hope that they come back because, yeah. you know, I I've had a good relationship with the Briscoes ever since I met them. Like the when I was I was told I was going to be in the top prospect tournament, mm-hmm. and I was hyped. I was like, holy shit. I'm having an opportunity. Everything I work for is really happening. And then I didn't see a graphic of me pop up for months. Everyone else did. And then it was like, like Kevin Kelly messaged me and was like, hey, they went a different way. We're doing a fatal four way. It's going to be something different. I don't know if you're going to be in it. I said, no problem. Just tell me what I need to do for next year. That was my goal. Being a top tournament. I did that for like four years. What do I need to do? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? But I was... I went down to North Carolina, and I mean, I was driving, I drive everywhere, um, with uh, Action Ortiz, who was in the tournament that year. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not booked. 
uh, I'm kind of upset. Like, do I still want to drive to North Carolina just to hang out? And, you know, but then I was like, I don't want to let Ben down because I told him that I will drive us down that way. Because if he would make plans, like, I have a ride, blah, blah, blah. And I just out of nowhere, hey, man, I ain't going. It messes up his stuff. Yeah. And I, and I didn't want to do that. So I said, you know what? I'm still going to go help out. You never know. And then I go down and everyone's like, hey, congratulations, congratulations. And I'm like, for what? Like, you're the fourth guy. I said, no, I was told I'm not. They're like, no, I'm pretty sure. I said, I don't know what you're talking about, man. And then like an hour, two hours later, I'm just sitting there. You know, everything's done. Just waiting for the show to start in four hours. And Delirious walks over and he's like, hey, Fox, you have your gear. And I said, of course. He's like, congratulations, you're number four. And, of course, I'm, like, trying not to, you know, my eyes welled up. I'm like, thank you. And then I go, run to the back, get into the ring. Like, hey, guys, I'm number four. Like, yeah, we told you. Two seconds later, Mark Briscoe comes out. Hey, Fox, it's me and you, third episode, main event. I have two opportunities tonight. And he was like, you have two opportunities tonight. Let's get you a contract. And I'm like, Mark Briscoe, whatever you need, let's do it. Me and Mark called this whole match, right? And I, as I'm calling the other stuff, too, had everything. And then last second, he's like, hey, they took you out because you had this opportunity earlier, too. I was like, oh. <laughs> but, like, Mark was so dead set on, I want, let's get you a contract. Let's do what I can do. He, like, I shoot my confetti, right? The first mm-hmm. thing he said to me, do you have your confetti popper with you? I said, of course, Mark. Fox Finger brings it everywhere. He's like, shoot me in the face with it. I go, Marcus says, don't aim at humans. Said, I don't care. He goes, I don't care. Shoot it in my face. I said, we'll see. But like, and I pitched an idea once of being a Briscoe to him. Like, because Jay is so like hood and gangster. Mm-hmm. And Mark is so like country. And I'm thinking, Fox Vineyard, where I live in Albany is kind of hood. 30 minutes north is country. So I'm literally in the middle of both. I can kind of be both and be like a cousin. And like, I had the whole idea of like, I was in the tournament, I lost. And then I like walk by and I like bump Kevin Kelly. Or not bump him, like knock him down. I just like bump into him. And I'm mm-hmm. like, dude, and keep walking. And then later on, he interviews him. Hey, what are you thinking? He's like, well, don't even talk. I got it. And then I want it. Go like next episode or whatever. I'm painting up, gimmick ready. Marker J walks in. I stand up, hey, bro. You know, they're face to face. Don't disrespect anybody. Don't you ever. You represent, blah, blah, blah. Boom, whatever. And then I was like, so it was like low key that they were taught, why, why are the Briscoes talking with this guy who's painting his face and wears tassels and stupid hair? And then, like, I would lose and lose and lose. And then they take me under their wing. I'm uh, whatever, just like, oh, this is Cousin Briscoe or whatever the name was I had. And then, like, as they build me up, say, for another year I had, I said, yo, in a year when they need a big baby face, here comes boom, here comes confetti, here comes me completely back saving the day type of thing. I Mm -hmm. pitched it to both of them separately. They loved it. Like, let's do it. And then nothing came of it because I didn't know how to go up to the book and be like, hey, I had this idea. <laughs> I'm a nobody here. Nope, I just do, I just lift the ring sometimes. I tape it with Paul Turner. But 
Mia Briscoe, what do you think? You know, I didn't know how to pitch it. I didn't know what the... Because they don't have... I don't want to overstep boundaries. I was just cool with the Briscoes because we would talk and bullshit around like backstage and stuff. But you never know, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, okay. The top prospect tournament or that match with Mark. If you could have picked which one you wanted, if they said, we, you can't do both, which one would you have taken at that time? I think the top prospect is good because it's forever in history of 2016 top prospect tournament, biggest in the company, mm-hmm. 12 people, fatal four-way to get to advance. But that's forever. That's history. But Mark would have done whatever he could to let me shine and do everything. And I could have listened to him, learned from him, and just here we go. So if I could do it over, maybe just go with the Briscoe match because I know he would have went out of his way to make Fox Finger look better than Fox Finger would ever look by himself or um, with anybody. Yeah, it, but, it, in a fatal four way, it's kind of hard to, to get yourself to stand out. You right. know, and like I mean, I got, I got a like I got my first like guy over the barricade hitting it to like hype up. Mm-hmm. I jumped to the top rope. And went right to the outside because they're like, anybody want to dive? I said, I'll, yeah, I want to do everything. <laughs> just the only chance I get in Ring of Honor, I'm doing it. And it just so happened, this guy in the crowd, I can't remember his name, snapped the picture. And as I was, it was a 12-hour drive. I was probably seven, eight hours driving back. And my Facebook, boom, pops up. And the guy sent me the picture. And it's literally me flying with um, LSG and Ken Phoenix catching me and i'm just in the air with the big ring of honor logo behind it and i was like this just validates that what i've been working for for x amount of years i just had my opportunity i'm not just talking about it guys look i did something so that was awesome and then that gave me that led me to do a television spot in las vegas against uh cheeseburger at the time and he went out of his way too he was like I, I walked in, and Kevin Kelly's like, hey, Fox, have you seen anybody? He said, nope, I just got here. He's like, you have seven minutes with cheeseburger. I was like, seven minutes? I got new gear. I'm ready to go. I was so hyped up. I, me and Burger talked about it, called this whole big elaborate thing. Then he came back later was like, we have seven minutes for the whole segment. We have about one minute. I was like, oh. Well, whatever you need, Burger. Like, I'm just happy to be. A, it's the opportunity, you know. Yeah. It's my first um, Ring of Honor television. Whatever. And then, say maybe half hour later, he came back and was like, "Yeah, talk to the bookers. Uh, we got two minutes. What do you want to do?" I said, "I just want to get my power slam in," and that's what we did in the match. We did a thing. He went for a weave, kicked me in the stomach, ducked my line. I dropped down, hit the Panga Unchained. Flipped out, went for a pin, and then uh, All Night Express beat the shit out of me. But, like, Kevin, it's cool, like, having Kevin Kelly and Steve Carino doing commentary. They're, oh, he's the love child of the missing link, and uh, blah, 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 blah. Funny story about that Vegas thing, though. They're like, Fox, you're going out cold. I'm like, what? So, me and the ref went out, and um, uh, Bobby Cruz was doing, um, you know, announcing. And 
the crowd is literally chanting, who's this guy? Who's this guy? Who are you? And I'm like, you know who I am. Tell him who I am. And Cruz's like, I don't know you. I was like, what the fuck? But after that, after I hit the thing, Burger was getting beat up and the crowd started chanting, face paint guy, face paint guy, to come in and help him. But my job was to lay on the ground. So that was fun. Because I never yeah. had to do it before. Yeah, it, it seems like uh, a lot of Ring of Honor guys, they're willing to go that extra mile to help out all you, all, all the, the newer guys. You know, you said Mark, you know, Jay, Cheeseburger, you know, I heard Jay Lethal was the exact same way. He would he would do whatever he could, you know. Yeah, uh, like especially if, if you're one of the guys who went to, um, you know how they used to do the, the camps a lot. Yeah. So, and all those guys would help out at the camps. And I remember at the um, Top Prospect, I'm trying to paint my face, and it's January, and it's South or North Carolina, and I'm, obviously, I'm, I'm all hot, like, oh, my God, my paint's not sticking. And then I just lose everything. So I'm in the bathroom under the hand dryer, just on the ground. And Jay Lethal just walks in, doesn't see me at first, just, what the hell? I said, I want it to stay on. He's like, oh, it looks sweet, man. <laughs> it was cool. Still, so, I'm scared of shit of him, though. <laughs> yeah. So here we are, full circle. Here we are. 15-hour car ride. AEW. Your second time being down there? Yeah. So. I mean, I won't know if I'm doing anything until I get there, but just being able to be there is better than not being there. So every every and any opportunity to be seen, to, uh, you know, um, talk with the boys and like talk with Like I know a lot of the guys there. You know, mm-hmm. over the years, like especially like Bobby, you know, it'd be cool to connect with him again. Um, but just to watch it and see how, like, I like the production side. Like, I did Gorilla and the headsets for Ring of Honor on one of the All Women of Honor shows. They needed somebody. I was like, I'm here. Give me a headset. So, like, yeah, give them a script. And I did my best to produce that. And like, hey, we need whoever need it. I got them. So. I would also like to figure out if you're not going to wrestle at AEW, like, do they need cameramen? Do they need uh, someone to write music? You know, like, many things. I know a guy down there at AEW you could talk to. Let's go get a hold of Jerry Lynn. Yeah, where is he? He's supposed to put me over today. Oh, well, hey, I'll sit there and I'll go and uh, send him the text message. I'm like, hey, Um, there's a guy that... He said the we, – we got talking the last time I was there. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but, like, we were on this shit show together and, like, the ring broke and, like, the crowd stayed there for three hours as we fixed it. And then we were just talking about, like, other little stuff. But then he's like, you know what? You remind me of the missing link because I had my face painted. I was mm-hmm. like – and I told them a story that I tell people when they say it. Like, everyone says I look at the missing link. I remind them of it. So, you know, he used to have – all green with blue. Mm-hmm. So in Maine, I was doing a double shot. And on a Friday, they were chanting, Missing Link, Missing Link, Missing Link. Saturday, I paint my face green. Blue across the eyes. 
I did my own little beard paint just to hype myself up. Mm-hmm. Do I get a missing link chant? Ninja Turtle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, bro. But so I told him that and like he laughed about it. And then he came up to me after my match and was like, he put me over, you know, said I was like it was really good and um I knew where I was, my selling was on point and everything. And that was good to hear because it was a three minute match against Brian Cage. I got a little bit of stuff in. But what was more important was that I was there in the right spots where I needed to be for Brian Cage. Because I'm nobody. Mm-hmm. He was the the FTW champion. So it was good to not to validate myself or get validated, but to be validated like, oh, I was, I did do pretty well. And especially with Jerry Lynn, like, telling me about it, like, that was cool. Yeah, it, and, you know, to be on the indies is one thing you know, to hit all your marks and all your cues, but to do it on, you know, TV, that's a, that's a whole nother, you know, point there because all it takes is for you to be, you know, out of place one time and you could end up messing up a whole, a whole chain of events. Right. And luckily it was just a, a three minute banger. And, uh, but like I watch it back and I'm, I'm proud of this, the way I sold to where I needed to be. And, like, there's one spot where I hit him with my Europe, Europe, European uppercut, and I come off the rope, and he throws the line, and I duck. And no, there's no hesitation, just duck, turn, and he murders me. But it was, like, smooth. I, I, can, I can be proud of it and be like, that's some Bret Hart smooth shit right there. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I, always, uh, I always liked Regal. Uh, I, I was watching an interview he gave. And he's like, when you, it's not the move, you know, it's how you get to point A to point B, yeah. you know, in between. Like, like if you're supposed to be in the, in the turnbuckle and there, and then you're supposed to be an Irish whipped off the ropes. How do you get from the turnbuckle to the middle of the rope to get Irish whipped off? You know, you gotta, you gotta figure out how you're getting there to make it believable because if you yes. don't make it believable, None of the fans are going to sit there and, and pay attention. Right. Instead of just, like, walking over, like, what could you do? Mm-hmm. And just work over into it. Like, the whole ring is, like, it's a canvas. Like, literally a canvas for us to paint a story out for everybody. Exactly. That's what more people use the whole thing. But what do you do? Well, Fox, I got to tell it's It's time. It's time. Well, Vader well, time. We like to sit there and ask a great question here on Future Stars Now. Hot tub time machine. If you can go back in the time to any point in wrestling history, take somebody out of a match, boom, and put Fox Vineyard in. What match is it and why? The Fox Vineyard of today? Like uh, what I like me right now. You right now, you're taking you and putting you in a match and taking somebody out. Any match in wrestling history. Huh. That's a question. Well, hmm. We we've had many different people answer this question differently. You know, we we've had Sean Waltman say, I had no fucking idea. We had Dan Barry say, I'm gonna be Hulk Hogan to take on Andre and get that quick payday. You know, 
We've had Sabu say that he would love to take on Brock Lesnar. But this is you. Like I'd watch I watch the shit out of that match, Brock Lesnar and Sabu. <laughs> but um, this is you now. This is this is your big money moment. I would say Mania 12 and take Sean out and have me face Bret Hart in an Iron Man match. Because Ooh. I would love to, one, test my win. Two, tell that story. Three, wrestle with Bret Hart. And, like, I have watched that match probably at least 15, 20 times since it's happened. That's 20 hours. It's like a day. And every time you watch it, you just see something new. Mm-hmm. And just the story and just, like, I think it would be cool. Like, I mean, Sean out-wrestled him for half of it. And then it switch and then boom. Like, it was so well done. So I think I would take Sean out so I could face Brett for an Iron Man match, which will probably end up being Brett with 50 victories. I'd have one. But then I'd have it reversed. And have it be one and all his 50 are disqualified. Where's Jack Tunney to come out and tell him that he's the president and he's switching it? Now, are you are you doing the, the the big entrance? Are you are you doing the, the zip line? Hmm. There, I'd have to do a more of a firework Fox Vineyard style. This is where I would have. Well, what, what year was that? Ninety six. You, you can always have Man Mountain Rock out there playing you. <laughs> I was gonna say I just have I, I want Limp Biscuit to play me out, but I don't think they were they didn't hit for another year. Yeah. Uh, no, see, I would try to, I would come out, well, that entrance kind of like was the thing that people look up to. Look yeah. For. I would do it, but as I'm coming down, I'd have a sparklers coming off or like confetti falling, something that's like bigger. So somehow, so hey. if you can get, if you can get bigger than that entrance. Hey, I can honestly say that's the first time we've had that had that answer, the, the Iron Man match. It'd be so. a tough one, but it'd be a good one to test who I am and Bret Hart in his prime. Like my, you know, remember the Jax figures? Yes, they get super loose, right? Exactly. And I would always re- reenact that that uh, match. With my loose Bret Hart, who could like if you watch how he got pinned by Sean, he was folded. Mm-hmm. Those loose figures, man, they pinned, they made a great pin. But it's just Bret Hart at his best. Plus, he's in in his black and black outfit, which was always my favorite. Well, That's Fox, it was great to have you on here. I appreciate you stopping by. You want to tell everybody where they can uh, hit you up on social media and get that merchandise. You can buy this heart shirt right here. Uh, I'm everywhere at Fox Vineyard. F-O-X-X-V-I-N-Y-E-R. If you want to listen to my band, that's Zoo Green 6. That's zoo as in like animals, green as in the color, and then the number six. That's on Amazon. Well, not, well maybe Amazon. I don't know. Just type it in. I know it's on Apple and uh, Spotify. There's a couple songs. YouTube has some music videos. Um, if you want to see me on 
a television show. Severance comes out February 22nd. That's uh, Ben Stiller directed. I'm punk rocker like seven or whatever it was. <laughs> uh, other than that, this Sunday, well, yeah, this Sunday coming up, Whitesboro, New York, Fox Vineyard takes on ECW original HC Loke and NYCW. I don't know when this is going to go up, but that's on this January 2nd. So if it's past that, oh, man, I kicked his ass. Yep. Well, Fox, I want to sit there and say good luck to you at AEW. And I will be seeing you. Uh, you book for PPW? I'm the champion. You think I would be. But who knows? They're trying to bury me because I took over the stable. I'm the biggest heel they have. Man. Well, Fox, thanks for stopping by. And, well. Thank you. See you next time. Hey. Any way we can possibly get a part two? Maybe, maybe, maybe dig a little deeper? Anytime. I got nothing else to do but talk. Hey, thanks a lot, Fox. I'll sit there and uh, I'll hit you up next time, man. Take care. Peace. Happy New Year. Man, there we go. That was Fox Vineyard. He's, he's been traveling up and down the Indies. He is a veteran of the Indies. He is a man that does it all. He does the acting. He does the music. He does the wrestling. And man, he's just waiting for that one opportunity. And that could be this time at AEW. Because he seems to get those opportunities right when you least expect it. But here we are, another edition of Future Stars Now. Down and in the books. Tune in next week on FRM Pod, where we have the Mecca, Brian Johnson, coming on. Guys, check us out over on YouTube and Twitch. Follow us. Hit the subscribe button. Head on over to BrainBusterCheese.com and get that merch. Well, I am the Rit, filling in for my good host, Mike Freeland. This is Future Stars Now. The world of NLW Radio never stops.